Yeah, where's it coming from? Let's find out. Hello and welcome to the Six Degrees of John Keel podcast. I'm one of your hosts, Barbara Fisher, and with me is Morgana. And tonight we're welcoming Regan Lee. Hello, Regan. How are you doing? Hi, I'm great. How are you? Oh, we're doing well. Pretty good. Regan Lee is an experiencer, an author, blogger, artist, poet, and tarot card reader. She has many blogs where she shares verbal and artistic memories of her experiences, as well as her thoughts on all things paranormal. She blogs at the Orange Orb, UFOs, Fortiana, Dreams, and More, Mothman Flutterings, The Stranger Side of Sasquatch, Vintage UFOs, and UFO Mary. She's also had articles published in UFO Magazine, Dark Lore Volume 2, UFO Digest, and Banal of America. One of your blogs is called The Orange Orb, and it's, I love that name because it puts a picture in your mind. But because orbs are kind of individualized, what some people think of as an orb is a little tiny thing. And in your case, it's not. I would like you to tell the story about your orange orb. Right. It was was actually a, a craft of some kind. It was very large. I saw it uh, decades ago in Oregon. It was lit, seemed to be anyway, lit from within. It wasn't like a spirit orb or anything like that. This was a like a big round orange sphere moving in the sky. And I actually, when I first saw it, it wasn't moving. It was stationary. And I guesstimated it to be about a mile away. Because it looked like it was where this tower was, and we would hike up there all the time. So, and then as soon as I noticed it, it kind of shot across to right across the road for me, and followed us. I was on a motorcycle and followed us until we turned the corner to go into our driveway, and I watched it the whole time, and then it stopped as we were turning the corner to our house, the orb or sphere uh, stopped again in the sky in the uh, above the backyard of a neighbor's house and then dropped down into their backyard. Were they home at the time? I have no idea. Uh, I didn't know them. <coughs> Excuse me. I did not know who lived there. Uh, I don't recall lights being on or anything in the house. This was at night. And then I had, so we we go into the house and I'm very excited. I'm very excited. I don't know. My energy was really high. And uh, I wanted to call, I don't know, the police, the airport, somebody, you know. But then I thought, well, what are they going to (laughs) do except maybe (laughs) hang up on me and all? (laughs) 
So then I decided I was going to go outside and look for it. And then I realized that's kind of stupid. <laughs> what am I going to do? Go to people's backyard. I don't even know who these people are. Just start looking for this giant orb. <laughs> so I, I did not do any of that. But, <laughs> so but you thought about it. I thought about it. I did. Mm -hmm. Now, is that the kind of thing that you would normally think about? Like, you know, snooping around in somebody's yard. I mean, certain <laughs> of us in this uh, podcast might have done that. Uh -huh. Like Morgana might have come up with that being a good idea. I plead the fifth <laughs> on that. Um, <laughs> I, I have definitely followed stuff and been like, I wonder what that is and thought nothing of hop in fences before but in my defense that was in rural area and it was next to my grandparents house and i did know those people <laughs> yeah that's different yeah, yeah so it was much less shady right <laughs> yeah <laughs> yeah so normally it wouldn't have been your idea of a good idea uh probably reading. not yeah. yeah yeah maybe if it were daytime i might have taken a little stroll and seen if there's a hole in the fence or something maybe but yeah <laughs> yeah now could you see any light coming up from behind that house or when it dipped behind no. it did it just no that's here? a good question and i never thought of that before but no it just sank down just again it seemed huh. like it was it was and i know the sounds out there but uh I felt when I first saw it, I felt like it was waiting for me. And I felt like it heard, I mean, in my head, I said, what the hell is that? And, and it like heard me. It was waiting for me to respond to it. And then it knew I was going into my home and I could no longer see it. So it was like waiting for me when it stopped above the neighbor's house like that. and knew it was going to get my attention or keep my attention that way. And and then it sank down. Did you feel any communication from it at the time other than you knew it was waiting? No, except I felt like it was <laughs> laughing at me. Not <laughs> which I think is what a psychotic might say, but uh I go <laughs> I don't mean laughing at me in a malevolent way, but but it was kind of playing with me, maybe toying with me. Its idea of having fun, not necessarily, you know, evil alien sphere, but yeah. More like it got your attention. It did what it was supposed to do. Right. And yeah, it didn't, but you weren't scared of it really, were you? No. Other than, oh, hey, that's a weird thing in the sky. This is what's interesting to me because I wasn't scared. I was incredibly intrigued and obviously still am, you know, almost 40 years later. But um, after that, I started having really terrifying dreams. And... So the, the terrifying dream seemed to be connected with this orb, and yet seeing the orb was not scary. But the aftermath was. Now that's interesting. Mm -hmm. um, had you ever read anything about UFOs at that time? 
a little bit, you know, I was familiar with Barney and Betty Hill, and I was always interested in those in all those topics. And uh, you know, I rem I remember my dad telling me he saw a UFO once. My mother saw one once. Uh, I wasn't deeply into the subject at all, but I was aware of it, and I accepted it as yeah, okay, sure, why not? <laughs> but that's just it's kind a of, possibility. Yeah, that's how I'm wired. I mean, I always ever since I was a kid where I saw little aliens as a kid. Oh, Often. what kind of aliens did you see as a kid? Well, actually, I call them my invisible aliens because they were about, you know, about my height. They had a little the inverted triangular face, and they were kind of grayish, whitish, but they were also, like, transparent. And I don't remember the big eyes. So I can't say for sure what those things were. And, you know, we're talking about the, the late 50s, early 60s. So, um, you know, and I was just a little kid. And I remember I would have to, <clears throat> if I wanted them to come, there's like a little ritual I'd had to do. I had to be flat on my back in my bed, focus on the little beam of light under the door. It's like this little yellow light. And then they would come and float me out float me through the door, uh, float me through the front door, and put me up in this um, giant fir tree that grew on the corner of a neighbor's uh, yard and set me up in there, and I would sit there and wait for more for the ship or whatever. And that's all I remember. I don't remember anything after that. I don't remember. In fact, I just wrote about this on my blog a week or so ago. I don't remember being on a ship or seeing beings. I just remember they'd always set me in that tree and I had to, for some reason, wait. Right. Were you scared of them or were they like, cause it almost sounds like playmates in a weird way. Right. No, I wasn't. I wasn't scared of them. And yet I can't seem to access any uh, further memory or, you know, Beyond that right. point. And for yeah. some reason, once in a while, I would be with this one girl, a childhood friend of mine. You know, we went to school together. We were good friends. And I had a lot of good friends. And uh, But she is the only one that if someone else showed up, it was always just her. Hmm. So sometimes That's the two of us would be together in a tree waiting. I like that they put you in a tree. Yeah. That, that's a little detail that I, I really like that. Yeah. That shamanic journeys in the, into the upper world, sometimes the shaman follows a tree or climbs a tree uh -huh. or, you know, the world tree in, in Norse mythology, mm -hmm. you know, connects all the worlds, upper, middle, and lower worlds. So, yeah, I love that tree. <laughs> I think that's beautiful. I've been trying to do a painting or drawing of it, but so far, it, yeah, it needs a lot of work, but I'm working on it. <laughs> so how did the orb make you feel? It made you feel excited. You weren't scared of it until later you started having nightmares. Mm -hmm. But while you were on the motorcycle and and driving home, your husband was, was driving, right? Right, right. 
Okay. <clears throat> now, did he see it? He caught a glimpse of it. Uh, and mm -hmm. I was, and he's very open to all this stuff too. And he's had his own experiences going back to childhood. We even found out later we lived a couple blocks away from each other before we met, but, you know, it turned out that we had lived. Anyway, so I think there's some connection there with all this stuff. But, uh, yeah, on the motorcycle, so I'm, like, banging on his back. Pull over, stop, pull over, look at him. He's good. Yeah, that's really weird, but he kept going. <laughs> and that's really not like him, you know. I mean, he would – interesting. Memories. Normally, he would, he would be interested to stop and look yeah. at something like that. Yeah. But he focused on getting home. Yeah. Now, when you got home and you got into the house, how did he react to your excitement? And thinking, hey, I'm going to go out and look for it. He was, he was, uh, unusually and strangely uninterested or disinterested. He just, he was almost like in a trance or like not like sleepwalking almost. Like, I don't know, mm. I don't know what do you, <laughs> it's like, yeah. So he just didn't. That just wasn't interested in it. Just mm -hmm. sort of wandered off. But that's the house. Not, but that's not like him, right? Yeah. Normally, he would have stood there and gone, "Where'd it go? Right. What is that thing? Exactly." And instead, he went. That is strange. Mm -hmm. I wonder if you weren't supposed to be the primary witness, and he was just sort of there because sometimes I've I've read a lot of reports of the person who sees the thing, be it Bigfoot or an orb or a gray alien or a fairy, they get really excited, but the people around them, it's like it's not registering somehow. And I wonder if you were the important part to the phenomena and he was just there. Mm -hmm. And so it didn't register with him somehow because it wasn't supposed to maybe or it wasn't on his wavelength or something interesting maybe it wasn't meant for him to see yeah um he had an interesting comment just the other day uh you know i saw a triangle it years later in oregon and we had also seen a silver sphere in another part of oregon at, a, at a, another time Two completely different events. And when we saw the silver sphere, it was rotating up above a pasture and a beam of light was coming out from it. And we, he was driving, the, we were in a car and he, we stopped and watched it for a little bit. And then we both felt uneasy and he said, let's just get out of here. And we left. So, just a few days ago, I'd written, in fact, the poems I sent you, the little haiku, mm -hmm. UFO haikus. <laughs> um, Which are wonderful. Oh, thank you. So uh, he read one, and he he read one about, the, I think it was the, yeah, about the triangle. And he said, oh, is that about the orange herb or I don't know he mentioned something I said no for one thing it says triangle you know I said you mix I said no it's about the sphere we saw 
He said, what sphere? I said, you're kidding me. Oh. <laughs> you're kidding me. Oh. He said, I don't know what you're talking about. I said, oh, boy. And this happens a lot with us. And then I guarantee you, like maybe three months from now, he'll totally remember again. <laughs> you know, I've had a lot of multiple witness experiences mm -hmm. here in Athens. And they started in the 1990s. So, you know, 20 something mm, mm -hmm. odd years, okay, almost 30 years ago. Right. Uh, um, and uh, it's interesting what people do and do not remember. Um, there was a very complex, complicated, huge sighting of multiple things that there were 12 of us there to, to witness. And each of us was affected differently and each of us experienced it differently. And I really wish I had written down everybody's feelings at the time, because what I have discovered is most of those primary witnesses don't remember it well. Mm -hmm. They will remember one thing or another, but they don't remember the whole thing. Um, and then with my husband, he generally doesn't see things. He sometimes hears things. He sometimes feels things. But most of the time, he doesn't see much of anything. But on three occasions, he saw small orbs, um, which a bunch of us were seeing them all the time. Like every time we'd get together there, the little boogers would be bouncing around in the trees being all like, yeah, we're fireflies, except we're purple and red and orange <laughs> and colors. That fireflies don't come in. Right. And, you know, they were really, really strange, but he never saw them hmm. until the very last night that we lived in this one particular house where that place was crazy haunted. I swear it was on top of a portal of some sort. Mm -hmm. And uh, the very last night, our little red one was bouncing around our bedroom and he was looking up at the ceiling and he just, I could hear his breathing sort of stop. Like he, he like caught his breath and he was like, is that one of them? And I said, oh, you can see it. And he said, oh yeah, it looks like a laser pointer, except there's not a beam. And so he gets up out of bed and he starts, you know, messing with the, the uh, window mm -hmm. blinds and everything, trying to see, is there a way for a light to come in? And there's, there's no way. And he was interrupting where a laser beam would be to put that light up near the ceiling. And of course it didn't stop it. It just kept dancing around right. up near the ceiling, like, ha, 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 you right. can't do anything about it. And he was like, so that's the stuff you see all the time. And I said, yeah, yeah, pretty much. That's, and he's like, and you've seen him in the house. And I said, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. One of our cats chases him. He's like, oh, yeah, you know, I'm glad we're moving. He's like, because uh, I don't really, mm, I, mm, no, I'm glad that I didn't see him all that time. You know, because for a while he was like, I feel so left out. Everybody else sees these things and I don't see anything. Then he finally saw it and he was like, okay, yeah, you're right. I don't, I don't, mm, I'm glad we're moving. And then another time he saw blue lights in the woods. Mm -hmm. And then a third time we had moved away from Athens, came back to visit. And uh, in the middle of the night in the guest room of a friend's house, boom, 
there were blue lights all through the bedroom and he looked up and he went, oh no. And I went, somebody's saying, welcome home. Hello. And he was like, no, that's the one he doesn't remember. I cannot. He's like, I remember that trip. I remember staying at their house. I remember that little room. I don't remember the lights. I was like, you didn't really like them. So I'm not surprised you don't remember them. He he pretty much was like, he put a pillow over his head and went to sleep. Mm-hmm. He was like, no, I'm checking out now. I'm done with this. And we talked about it the next morning, but then we didn't talk about it after that. And now he doesn't remember it at all. Right. So sometimes people just don't remember. It doesn't stick in your brain. Right. Yeah, I have a, one of my sisters and I and our boyfriends and we were living and shared a house in Hollywood and uh, it was definitely haunted. And we all heard and felt things. I never saw anything uh, like an apparition there, but weird stuff happened. But she also saw things as well. And I remember her one time coming into my bedroom saying, I saw it, you know. Uh, but she doesn't remember any of it now. None of it. That's so, so interesting. Yeah. And with the orange orb, there was missing time as well. You know, I've talked about that. Oh, yeah. oh, tell us about that. Missing time creeps me out. Yeah. I don't like it, but tell no. me about it. Well, we were coming back from visiting a friend, or we tried to. When we got there, he wasn't there. It's, a strange afternoon to begin with. And uh, it was a you know rural area, and uh, we were hanging around in this, the backyard, which is basically the woods. And it was windy. It was just weird. It was like a kind of a weird, vibey thing. And we hung around for a little bit and uh, finally said, well, I guess he forgot or whatever. And so we left and came back home. And so this would have been around, I don't know, 3.30 or 4 maybe. And uh, we got back into town at 8 o'clock. It was dark. Now, this was in the summer, late summer. And there's no way it would have taken us that long to drive home. It would have taken us at the very um, most 45 minutes. But the way Jim drives on the motorcycle, (laughs) he'll back roads. (laughs) It was fast. Maybe maybe a little faster. It was just a little <laughs> faster, yeah. So there's no way it would have taken us three hours to get back home, you know? Oh, and now do you have any nope. thoughts or ideas as to do either of you remember anything now? Oh. I've been trying. And this is what I find fascinating. What What don't I remember? Why can't I remember? Why don't I remember? Uh, and then we had missing time once in, uh, when we were living in LA, walking back from uh, the local pool hall, beer, pub place. And, uh, again, it would take us, oh, half an hour, 45 minutes to walk home, you know, depending. Oh, it, we, it took us about two and a half hours and we saw, we saw this weird light, like a, underground parking garage kind of thing in an apartment building, mm-hmm. but there were no cars there. And it was this weird light. And we, I remember we both were just 
looking at the light going, that is really weird. What is going on over there? And then the next thing I know, we were walking into his apartment. Uh, and we both looked at... And we, you have no memory. No, and we there. both looked at each other and, and said, wow, it's 3 a.m., what? And we laughed. And then we went straight to bed and were zonked out. We did not wake up until the next day, 4 o'clock in the afternoon. That's we came out and everybody weird. in the family was awake and out, of course. And uh, I remember his mother saying, I thought you guys were gone, it's been quiet in there, and we just assumed you were gone that you left oh, early. Wow. I said, No, what are you talking about? We thought it was maybe nine o'clock in the morning or something, it was four o'clock in the afternoon. <laughs> so, you have lots of missing time, really, mm-hmm. in a way. Mm-hmm. You have the missing time from the night before, and then you slept all day, mm-hmm. which that's clearly not a pattern that, no. you know, you would. Yeah, that's weird. That is very, very strange. So with missing time, have you ever considered, um, I mean, have you ever tried to dream about it? Have you ever tried telling yourself you want to dream what happened did it did that ever work yeah i keep trying uh so far nothing really that i can but i keep trying you know with dream work and whatever else i could think of you know through my art yeah uh for a lot of time i was keeping all those things separate from each other. I don't mm-hmm. even, I have no idea why really looking back on it makes no sense. But now uh, a lot of my writing, I mean, creative writing, not, you know, uh, has to do with that right. and my, as well as my art and um, trying to access it that way, whether through its poetry or just stories or paintings, dream work, uh, whatever I could think of, (laughs) but so far I haven't gotten anywhere. Now you've had some interesting things that you've recorded in art because you had the dream of the winged creature over your bed. Yes. I love that. I love the drawing you did of it, but the description is also really juicy. Mm. It's full of, it's full of liveliness. So Mm. why don't you describe that? Well, this, I must have been extremely young because it happened when we were living at Corning. I'm the oldest. No one else was born yet. So I was four. And I'm in the bedroom. And my memory is there's nothing else in the bedroom except this bed. And I'm right in the middle of the bed kind of spread eagled and in the doorway my mother my grandmother and my father and my parents divorced when I was like a year old so why he would be there I don't know but they were there and they could not something was keeping them from coming into the room and I remember they were kind of this yellow light in the doorway kind of bathing them and this yellow light, and they were watching, they were aware, but they could not pass. 
and I was I was very excited. I was not. I was truly in awe, but not scared, but just amazed at the incredible thing that was about to happen. And then what happened was the ceiling opened up like the roof of an observatory would open up, you know, from the middle and then out. And I could see the, the sky and the stars and then this giant eagle. I mean, he was so huge. The wings covered the, the opening of the roof. And he came down. He was coming down to get me and pick me up and bring mm -hmm. me up into the sky. And again, it wasn't frightening, but it was very intense. You know, it was very right. incredible. And all these things have happened to me. My childhood memories are all things like that. And they're not, you know, people would say, well, they're just a dream. Well, no. I mean, I, you know, I'm, all I can say is no. <laughs> I know. And, I'm, and that's well, some, not to say literally actually really happened like that either. But when you tr when these experiences happen and you try to explain them to people, a lot of people just have two categories: dream or not. <laughs> dream or you are right. you know. Uh, there's all right. these areas in between. Yeah, yeah, yeah. When people say just a dream, mm -hmm. that to me devalues what a dream is. Yes. A dream at its base, at its simplest, is the part of your brain that never truly sleeps. It's your subconscious mind talking to your conscious mind or just running about on its own doing whatever it does. And since consciousness, you know, we're moving away from the model that consciousness is generated by the brain. Then we're, you know, we're moving a little bit away to where consciousness is perhaps non-local, a non-localized phenomena. Then what is your subconscious mind doing then? Where is it going places? Where's it going? What's it doing? And it also really devalues the idea that the subconscious mind is kind of nonverbal. It, it is not the part where words live. Mm -hmm. It's the part where images live and colors and symbolism lives. And so when I hear a story about a little girl being taken up into the sky by an eagle, so long as I know it's not happening in, in actual reality and it's a golden eagle looking for you know breakfast, right. uh, I think it's awe-inspiring and to me, that's that's a spirit communication of some sort. That is some sort of symbolic communication that's that's happening. Um, but I mean, I've had some shamanic training, so I'm mm -hmm. gonna you know look at it in that way, just kind of naturally. Uh, but you know, eagles are very very powerful, potent, yes, symbolic creatures. And uh, I, I think that's a an awe-inspiring sort of, you know, experience. And it really is. I, 
I think that your subconscious was traveling along doing something. Mm -hmm. Who knows what it was doing, but <laughs> right. Um, I know one of the things I dream about a lot are houses. I dream about houses mm -hmm. and I dream about searching for houses and looking at houses. Now this, this is partially because uh, in my early uh, adulthood, I moved a lot because we rented. So we moved, you know, house like once a year, it seemed like. And so there was always looking for the next apartment or the next house or the whatever, you know. And then I had to move because of more drastic circumstances. So that was fraught with, with peril. But what's interesting is I also dream about places I lived as a child or places that were important to me as a child. And all of those places have hidden things in them. Yes. Hidden rooms, hidden passages. Um, and there are often people that weren't there in reality living in those little hidden rooms or passages. I have dreams like that and too. And they always have, yeah, they always have a message and it doesn't necessarily make sense, of course. But yeah, I, I I dream about houses with hidden rooms with people in them. Um, I was telling Kendra about it one time and Kendra said, well, I wonder if, you know, in a past life you hid somebody in your house to keep them safe from something. And I was like, that could be. I never thought of it that way. It could also just be, you know, my sub. sometimes I think my subconscious lives somewhere else during the night has a whole other existence that it, it, you know, takes care mm -hmm. of in my dreams. And I go visit people that I know there and then mm -hmm. wake up and go, wow, that was a weird dream. But there's still a part of me that's going, I swear I know those people. Yeah, you're always discovering things yeah. and new things. and Yeah. Mm -hmm. yeah. You said you had nightmares, but also good dreams about entities and traveling places are they, do you feel like they're connected at all or are they separate types of beings or separate types of dreams? Because I have a couple different types of dreams. I feel like, like I'll have normal dreams and then I'll have meaningful dreams. And then I have, I have this thing where I dream about things that happen several months later that are never important or useful. It's not like, oh, I dreamed about like a car crash. No, I dream dumb things. But then they happen repeatedly. You know, do you feel like you have different types of dreams too? I definitely have different types of dreams. You know, I'll dream about, you know, Liam Neeson or something one night. It's like, okay, thanks. That was cool. But then <laughs> <laughs> and the next night is this really profound you know, I have recurring, I have, I don't have a dog. I like dogs, but I don't have a dog. I haven't had a dog in God, for probably 50 years. Um, and yet dogs always, I dream of dogs a lot. And they appear as sort of guides. They're, and in fact, I dream of animals a lot. Um, it's, you know, I have recurring characters. I have... Uh, 
he's an, uh, for lack of a better term, he's an angel. He's, uh, sounds kind of silly, but he's sort of like David Bowie. I mean, he's very tall. He's always in a white suit and he just kind of appears and he's, it's very platonic, absolutely nothing sexual, but, uh, he's very kind and sweet and patient, but he's also like, he will not hesitate to tell you to just cut the shit. You know, excuse me. I just cussed. <laughs> no, that's <laughs> all right. But he's, you know, he's like, if I be silly in a dream or, or something or too excited, I don't know. It's hard to explain. He'll be showing me things. And if uh, my reaction is shallow, for example, he'll say, knock it off. That's not, no, come on. You know, you know better than that. So he, <laughs> attention. Yeah, right. Uh, then I have uh, what I, think of as just sort of his counterpart, a woman, you know, when you dream, or at least for me, I'm 67, but uh, in my dreams, I'm, I'm the age I am, but I'm also not, I'm also like 20. I mean, I don't know, go figure. It's all the same thing at the same time. So when I say older woman, she's really only about my age, but she seems older. She, and again, she's a white, she has super short white hair. Uh, and she, it comes to show me things and teach me things. And she, again, she's very nice and pleasant, but uh, she doesn't suffer fools. You know, it's like pay attention. A lot of times we're together up in an airplane. Like she's a air like a, um, flight attendant, you know, except on a spiritual level. She's usually carrying a huge book, like it's just this giant book. Uh, so I'll have dreams like that. Um, and then I'll have, you know, you just name it. I come all over the map. I'll tell you, take it, I've been taking melatonin lately to help me sleep. I don't know if you've ever, mm -hmm. you, but you, it took some experimenting with the right amount to take and all that. Uh, at least for me, it has really done something to my dream life, which is pretty intense and crazy to begin with. I, so it's made it more intense? Extremely more epic and vivid hmm. and intense. Yeah. That's interesting. Yeah, it has something to do with yeah, REM sleep. I don't know. I looked it up. but Yeah. yeah. I, I've gotten some melatonin and it's still sitting on my counter and I still look at it every night and go, oh, am I going to try that? Or yeah. I don't know. I know. I was hesitant to. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I, I've had insomnia my whole life so I, I was like you know you've got to sleep so I, I'm, I still look at it I, I keep hoping maybe just looking at it helps you know <laughs> and I don't actually have to try it so I don't know if that answered your question uh, I remember having nightmares like right after the orange orb sighting for example of this like being trapped in a beam of white light uh, extremely brilliant like I could almost see through things it was so bright and it, it was keeping me from going to Jim who had something that the white light had something to do with where he was too. Like it took him or I don't know, but I was very upset that it was keeping us apart and keeping me from moving. Um, so, yeah. Were there any other details to those nightmares? I remember having them and uh, Jim was out like a lot. I mean, you couldn't wake him up for anything. 
And I would finally just get up and go downstairs and turn on the lights and the radio and the TV. (laughs) Yeah, that kind of thing. And then they stopped after a while. Oh, I'm glad they stopped. I I had a couple of uh, weird experiences. And this, I don't think, has anything to do with UFOs. But one time, probably early evening, and I'm sitting on, on top of the bed reading a book. And I was perfectly, I was totally awake. And I forget what the book was about, probably just some mystery or something. But I'm just, and all of a sudden, it was like someone picked me up and put me somewhere or or inserted like this postcard into my head of I'm in the desert. And I'm looking around going, how did I get here? What the hell? And there is this green, I call him the green warding man. He was maybe about four feet tall but he's sort of squatting down. He was humanoid, but he wasn't human. He was green all over and how, and just covered in like warts or little stubs. And he had red eyes and he looked at me and he was really angry, really, really not happy. I was there. It was like, I wasn't supposed to see him. And it's, and the whole thing lasted for, I don't know, five seconds. And it was so vivid and strong, I screamed. And Jim comes running in, like, what's going on? I said, I saw a lizard man. He goes, what? <laughs> Never mind. <laughs> but, it was like, <laughs> <laughs> but it was really, really weird. And I don't know what to say about that. Except That is odd. The, the feeling of displacement into another environment yeah and to have it happen not gradually but very quickly it was instant like someone just pressed a button like we're gonna send you here yeah and and he sounds like a thoroughly unpleasant little creature oh yeah i mean it's possible you showed up in his realm by accident and he was just mad at you because you know maybe he's sitting there meditating minding his own little lizard guy business and suddenly this this lady just boom appears in his right little meditation room and of sand and yeah maybe that's why i don't know yeah but i wasn't supposed to know about him like he knew about me but i wasn't supposed to know about him he knew about us and he 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 didn't care that he didn't want to really know about us. (laughs) (laughs) it's okay i was gonna say it reminds me of a story that michael harner told um when he was studying shamanic practice in south america there's a story um, where on a journey with ayahuasca, he saw these little toothy troll-like lizard people and they were mean and they were really nasty. And they were just like, oh, we we control everything and you stupid humans and blah, blah, blah. And they were really nasty to him. And you know, when he finally comes out of it and, and comes back to ordinary reality, he tells the shamanic practitioner who was overseeing his his teacher his teacher he's like and this, these lizard guys with these teeth and they were terrible and he's like oh it's just them they say stuff like that all the time they're just like that you can't pay attention to them if you see them again just kind of walk on and and just you know the shamanic version of talk to the hand the face ain't listening go right. on <laughs> you know so maybe you you ran into one of those mm-hmm <laughs> so what what you were going to say something else about something? Oh, I 
I was about 10 or 11. And because I was the oldest, you know, I'm the one that had to make the lunches for us all. So it's early in the morning. I'm in the kitchen making the sandwiches, peanut butter jelly. And I'm just doing my thing. All of a sudden, and again, it's like someone pressed a button. It's okay, we're sending you here. I'm, oh, probably 15 or 16. I'm in this, wearing this itchy, woolen, hot, heavy dress, very uncomfortable. I'm carrying a big wooden tray full of beer or ale and stew stuff. And the floor is covered with sawdust. Big fireplace. It's so hot in here. And tables full of people, mostly men, but not completely. And there's some kids running around. And this was my life. I was a server in this, you know, inn or whatever. And it was so vivid and real. And I had no idea. I remember being scared to death. And then suddenly I was plopped right back in the kitchen. And I knew I was in England. I knew that. And I knew it was some other century. I'm not sure exact, maybe 1500s. Not sure. And I remember when it was over, be back in the kitchen, scared to death because, you know, I'm still a kid. I'm 10, 11. I'm like, what the hell was that? <laughs> what just happened? I was terrified. What are you going to tell your parents? Yeah. Who well, do you I did yeah. like that? Yeah. You know, exactly. They're going to give you the look. <laughs> it's <laughs> not, that's yeah. And in that time period that you're talking about, parents really were not going to be understanding of that kind of thing. Although I have to say my parents, even though they were divorced, they were both, uh, Open to a lot of this stuff. You know, my mom saw UFO once. And I remember she called us out to see it. None of us would come out to see it, but I did. And then years later, we were talking about it. And she said, do you remember what you said to me at the time? I said, no, what are you talking about? She said, because she's really upset that by the time I got out there, the, the thing had left. And right. I, 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 didn't, I looked up, I didn't see anything. And I, she said, you told me, don't worry, mom, they'll be back. They always come back. Oh, and that's like 10. I mean, she's my mom is the one she read tarot cards. You know, ah. my first my first deck was the one she gave me. So she was, you know, a little weird. <laughs> you well, know. That, that's good. So you, good came from, you came from weird people. That's cool. Yeah. I come from circus folk. My dad was in the circus and my grandparents were in the circus. They heard their folk. <laughs> it's much easier than being the only weirdo. Yeah. You know? Right. Yeah. To have a family of odd people. So that's how you got into tarot reading. Mm -hmm. So what age did you start reading tarot cards? Oh, probably 15. You know, I always had a deck. I just posted on Facebook the other day, uh, I was getting my hair done and the woman's really nice. It's just her and this little teeny shop, you know, and we're sitting around talking, waiting for my bleach <laughs> job. To, and uh, I don't know what possessed me, but I just, I said, do you mind if I pull a card for you? Cause I always carry around a little deck and she said, no, go ahead. And so I pulled out a card and then she said, <laughs> only in Eugene, Oregon, you know, it's a college town. It's kind of liberal and everything. Only in Eugene, Oregon, can you be sitting somewhere getting your hair dyed purple 
and get a tarot card reading. <laughs> like, we're like, it was just funny. Just like, to me, that it seemed like funny. a perfectly natural thing to do, you know. <laughs> Right. Yeah. yeah Athens sure. is sort of like that too. Yeah, that's that's what I've heard. That it's yeah, that's cool. Yeah, that's good. That sounds about right. Mm -hmm. The the <laughs> woman who used to bleach and dye my hair all kinds of cool colors. Now she's in in Georgia, and I miss her terribly. But we always talked about weird stuff while she mm -hmm. was doing my hair, and it was mostly sort of alternative -y people being in the salon at the same time, but every now and then we'd get like one or two more normal kind of people. And they'd, they'd kind of, you know, look out the corner of their eyes over <laughs> at us while we were yeah. talking about weird lights in the woods, you know, mm -hmm. but you know, other times we'd get the whole salon kind of talking. Oh yeah, there was, I, you know, I lived in a haunted house and all this stuff. And yeah, I I always did feel bad for the more normal people, you know, having to put up with the lady getting her hair dyed, you know, purple and pink and whatever colors I was getting it done that day and her, you know, weird obsession with little lights in the woods. Do you ever read the cards to try and find out what happened during your missing time? Yes. Jim and I, about a year ago, we were on the coast. Now, I have this weird thing about being at a Donovan concert. I've written about it on my blog, except I'm not sure I was really there. Now, if I was there, I would have been about 15. And how can you not remember something like that? I mean, you were either there or you weren't. How can you think maybe I was there? I mean, that's I've been to a lot of concerts. I remember, you know. It's just like a weird thing. It's so we together sort of did a reading on that mm -hmm. um, because I think he was at the same concert. I mean, he really was there uh, at the right. time. Of course, we didn't know each other, but turned out, yeah. So it basically, I have it my notes on it written down somewhere, it basically said, uh, yeah, there's a lot more to find out. <laughs> Thanks. <laughs> yeah, I'm still working. <laughs> oh, yeah. man. Tarot cards are like that sometimes. Yeah. yeah. Like, I don't know if you really want to, you know, and of course I use the Deviant Moon deck for it. For <laughs> so, anyway, yeah. I'm, I'm still working. I just came across those notes the other day, actually, and I think I'll pursue that. That sounds like a, a, a good avenue of exploration. Mm -hmm. Now, you told us that your favorite card is the Fool. Mm -hmm. Now, why is the Fool your favorite card? Well, I just like the freedom of it, even though you very well could be just literally walking off a cliff like, to your death <laughs> i still maintain that it's like wily e. coyote and as long as you don't look down yeah you'll I be think, fine i think that might be true yes <laughs> I, so people out there are going to go i'm not having her read my cards what the so <laughs> I, just, I i just like the the sense of freedom the the even though it might be or could be naive or 
You still have a lot to learn. It's just the freedom and excitement and joy of being and being yourself, no matter what others think or say about it or try to put you, you are doing, you're going your way. And yes, there's a lot to learn and look out for. And, you know, you could, and all that but i think that's why it also has a little dog in it yes it does have a cute little dog yes it does and falling <laughs> off the cliff is how you learn i think right <laughs> sometimes you gotta fall off a cliff exactly. yeah sometimes yeah. in my case repeatedly right. exactly <laughs> exactly <laughs> yeah i don't get the fool very often that's not one of the... Oh, you're lucky. I get the fool all the time. It's difference in personality. <laughs> I do too. And so maybe that's why it does show up a lot. Yeah. I also like it because to me, the fool has an aspect of the trickster in it. I mean, because the in, in the medieval sense, the fool, the king's fool was the only one who could ever tell the king the truth, but he right. was also the jester. Right. Um. And I have a soft spot for tricksters, um, which you better have a soft spot for tricksters, I guess, if you're going to look at anything in the paranormal, because <laughs> the wholeness of the paranormal is just tricksy. It is. Um, yeah. But I, I've always loved the fool for that, because I do. I do have a soft spot for tricksters. And I think to an extent, I, I lean towards that archetype in my real life sorry family that's nah, <laughs> and everyone it's all right you haven't died from falling off the cliff yet so you you've done it right so far sometimes i fly true mm-hmm. right and you have every so often i realize i can in fact fly yeah there you go right sometimes not so much yeah <laughs> Yeah, she she was when she was a kid. She was notorious for leaping off of things into other things or onto other things, and she was really really good at giving her uh, uncles heart attacks because she you know jump off of banisters down six seven eight feet to the couch below and bounce and jump off and then run back up the stairs and do it again. Um, One time she jumped into a pool and forgot to call to her uncle who was standing to catch her and he wasn't paying attention. So she just went straight down, you know, all the way to the bottom and pushed her way up and screamed at him. You know, she was right there. You know, he, he did help her up, but he, he hadn't caught her. And she spit water in his face because, of course, she, you know, got water in her mouth. And so she spit it in his face. (laughs) And he just looked at me. I went, he's like, what if she drowned? I'm like, I'd have been mad at you because you didn't catch her. That's what would have happened. (laughs) He said, you got to pay attention. He's like, but she was supposed to say something. I'm like, she's three. Right. She's a kid. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. Right. And I had a kid with no fear. I was the, I was the fool running off cliffs. Mm -hmm. Blithely. Yep. (laughs) Yep. She was. As she says, she, she gave me gray hairs long before I should have had them. So whatever. I don't care. At least the second kid is, is cautious. 
Yes. The second kid is very <laughs> cautious. We are polar opposites in that sense. Um, but I do. I do love the fool. I love the fool and I love death. And I like the moon. And I love the art of the tower, but I you don't want that showing up pretty much ever. But I do think it always looks cool. There was a period of time right before I left your father where no matter who was doing tarot readings in that house where we lived, the tower showed up. In fact, the same handful of cards kept showing up. The lovers reversed, the tower, the three of swords, the ten of swords, um, often reversed. Um, two of swords, um, death, the devil. It was basically telling us some shit's going to go down and, uh, there's going to be some chaos. And it was correct, but it was getting to the point where we were doing tarot readings over and over and over in the house, trying to get a different reading. And it didn't matter whose cards we used, didn't matter who was doing the reading, didn't, didn't matter who we read for. We just kept getting the same thing. And one afternoon we had, I don't know how many readings we had done, but it was, it was in Charleston, West Virginia. So it was uh, thunderstorms come up that river valley really, really fast. And it was in the summer when they really show up really fast and lightning just pretty much came out of a dark cloud and struck the pavement right next to the house. And there was this huge crack and there was a burnt crack in the, uh, the concrete of the alley that got hit <laughs> right next to the house. And I just kind of looked up and just started grabbing the, the cards and putting them. I just, I was like, okay, Universe says we're done now. We're not going to ask the same stupid question right. ever again. We're sorry. We are so yeah. sorry. We will never do that again. Yeah, it doesn't um, like that. No, no. It was, it was, right. yeah. Y young and dumb, I think, was, was right. what was going on with us at that time. Um, and of course, after I left, then we all knew, oh, that's what it was trying to tell us about. Okay. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> So even when you have a tool that helps you look towards the future, it doesn't it doesn't mean your brain is going to comprehend it. Mm -hmm. That's that's the thing about tarot is sometimes you'll get the clearest answer in the world and your brain still kind of refuses to take it in and then much later you go, "Oh yeah, that's what it meant." Mhm. Mm right. <laughs> It does make me feel kind of bad about humans, you know. <laughs> it's like, are we really that dumb? Yeah, even if you're really, really smart, sometimes you really are that mm -hmm. dense. And that's that's always fun. So do you do you read for the public or do you do you read just personally for friends? Um both. I have, you know, I read at, at a fair, psychic fair we had a couple of years back. And uh, I, you know, I, I advertise that sometimes I'll get a paying customer. I, I have a few repeat paying customers, but it's, 
I'm not like out there. Right. You know, active. Yeah. I don't have a little shop or anything. I wish I did. My, my fantasies have a little sh- gallery shop like that paranormal shop on the coast, Oregon coast. That would be fun. I, I had a, I had a paranormal bookstore, occult bookstore, mm. witchy shop mm-hmm. for a couple of years here in Athens. Um, and, and it was fun. It was mm-hmm. a lot of fun. And I did do tarot readings. And uh, most of my clients were international students. Mm-hmm. Um, kids from Asia, from Africa, from the Caribbean. Um Neat. A few from uh, sort of Southern Europe, not very many, but a few. And it was, it was a lot of fun that, because they had, in their cultures, they had fortune tellers all the time, mm-hmm. you know, so they, they, they didn't look down on it or treat it like a joke. Mm-hmm. Um, I had to be really careful though. I, I don't like reading for somebody more than once a month at the most right because i don't think that really works well i agree yeah like the the few people i have it's basically once or twice a year kind of thing yeah 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 i think that's the best Mm -hmm. way to go about it you know and then i had some friends and we'd read for each other but that was as much practice as anything Mm -hmm. jim is uh very much into the cards as well. And, uh, so sometimes we'll get together and just whatever. Uh, we have very different styles, of course. You know, he's a double Scorpio, so he's <laughs> very, very analytical and all this stuff. You know, I'm like, I'm a Pisces, so whatever. <laughs> Let's well, throw him up in the air. Let's just see what happens. <laughs> <laughs> Let's dance first. <laughs> I used to have a cat that would help uh, choose a significator card where, you know, I'd spread the cards out in a row and uh, have somebody choose the significator to figure out what they were asking their question about if they didn't have a question in mind. Mm -hmm. And sometimes my cat would reach out and pull a card out of the row with her one claw. She just, hook it with one claw and pull it out. She almost always picked one that was suitable for whoever was, you know, if they couldn't decide, she'd get frustrated and she'd just reach out and (laughs) snag one and then look at me with this face. She kind of had a grumpy face. Morgana's nodding because she was afraid of that cat when she was a kid. She feared nothing but that cat. Misha was scary. (laughs) All right. She was scary. She fought off a hawk once. Oh. She killed snakes. Yeah, it's true. Th- no, she was also like half my size. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, she was She was a scary gray kitty. Um, and she lived for 20 years, so she was wow. a, a long-lived scary gray mm-hmm. kitty. But yeah, she, she would sometimes do tarot with me, so she was fun. But yeah, I tend to be kind of analytical, but at the same time, I am very intuitive. And when I taught Tarot, you know, because I always said I could teach anybody to to read Tarot and they were like, oh, all the meanings are so hard to, to remember. And I'm like, well, first off, you have to pick a deck 
that has a lot of symbolism that you feel toward. And then all you do is you lay the cards out and you tell a story. You look at the cards and you figure out the bits of the story that are in each card and then you string it together. <laughs> it's really as simple as that. And, you know, it, it works for most people mm -hmm. to do it that way. Mm -hmm. So how do you read, read your cards? It depends on the person, the situation. Usually I'll just lay them out like four or five and do just that. Tell the story. And sometimes I'll pick a card. I'll choose a card at the end. Like, well, let me pull another card and just see, you know, if a card falls out or something, I incorporate that. Other times I'm more formal and I'll do like a Celtic cross or some kind of yeah. you know, spread or three cards, you know, okay, this, this is what's going on now. This is what, you know, that kind of thing. But it just kind of depends. Yeah. You know, I, I just, I decide at the moment, I don't have a pre-planned, you know, today I'm just going to do, you know, the same with the decks. Like, sometimes I'll have the person choose the deck. Sometimes I'll say, this seems to be the deck to you. Sometimes I'll just stick with one deck for a while. And that's the one right. I'm using. And then I move on to something else and I'll go back to that one. You know, it's very fluid. There for a while, for years, I used one deck just for years and years and years. I started with the Rider Waite, Pamela Col Coleman-Smith mm -hmm. art right. deck and used that for years because that was the only deck that you could get in Charleston, West Virginia at the time. Right. And, and even then it was like this precious item that, you know, because there was no Amazon and there was no occult bookstore in, in Charleston for the longest time. So you lucked into it. You know, it was it was the secret thing that, you know, or you had to buy it somewhere else in a, you know, a bigger city somewhere where they had things like that. Mm -hmm. And uh, so, you know, tarot cards were like this precious commodity. Um, so I, I used that one for ever and ever. And I think it's a really good deck to learn on um, because she put so much symbolism just such a richness of symbolism into her work. Mm -hmm. But then I'd say five or six years, I used the Daughters of the Moon deck, which was mm -hmm. round. Right. And it was a feminist deck with all yes. these brilliant colors. I used that for the longest time. Now they don't make that deck anymore. It's out of print. And apparently it is worth umpteen gazillion dollars, oh, which is amazing to me. Oh, I used to have that deck and I gave it away. Oh, no. I still have mine. Oh, <laughs> I still have mine, but, uh, yeah, I was shocked. I was like, you know, maybe I should get a new version of it. Cause you know, mm -hmm. the mine is kind of, it was used for five years straight. So it's mm -hmm. kind of grubby and a little bit beat up. And then I looked online. I'm like, Oh my God, I'm not spending that much money on it. Oh my geez. Right. Oh, oh you wow. know? So, <laughs> if you find yeah. one at a flea market or something, grab sure. it. If Definitely. It, yeah. I have a the Salvador Dali deck someone gave me. Oh, that's a nice one. Yeah. It's in a red velvet box. <laughs> yeah. I haven't used it. Okay. I've looked at it, but you know, I, I haven't used it. What deck do you usually, or what decks do you like to use? I have the weight deck, of course, a weight deck uh, called the weight. I have the Deviant Moon deck, which I like a lot. I have... There's a few different Alice in Wonderland ones, 
and I forget the name of the one I have. I like it a lot. Some of them are sort of dippy, (laughs) but this one's nice. I mean, that's judgmental. I mean, they're dippy for me, but this one's a a nice one. I have the Conley deck, which is kind of weird because it's very Christian, very Mm -hmm. Christian. And yet, and I really stay away from that. But there's something about it. I don't know. There's just sometimes I'll use that sometimes, not for a full reading, but just if I'm pulling like one card, I have found Mm -hmm. that to be strangely accurate. You know, it's kind of interesting. It is. Oh, what others? I have one called, what's it called? Forest, forest something. It's just the little animals, you know, but it's not cutesy. It's kind of, it's almost, um, like all the forest creatures are on acid or something. (laughs) (laughs) That would be a great deck. Forest creatures on acid. (laughs) So you have, you know, pink and purple bunnies and, you know, their, their eyes are really, really big and kind of popping out of their heads. Yeah. Their eyes are big. Yeah. Mushrooms floating around everywhere. And then I have, um, For a while, this is a long time ago, I was sort of into Doreen Virtue. Do you know who she, who she is or was? The name is familiar. Yeah, but she was very I don't know. super new agey. Tons of decks, Oracle decks, the Angel Tarot, which... Oh, okay. Yeah. The Angel Tarot. That's, yeah. That's which, where I know her from. Yeah. And I, I have a few of her, I have the dream Oracle and her uh, mermaid one or something. Then she became a Christian. The Tarot's evil and, you know, the occult oh, and walking down the dark path there. So I don't know. So I have some of her decks, you know, I like using Oracle decks too. I have a couple of animal Oracle decks that I like. Yeah. I use yeah. those too. Yeah. And that was what Zach did when he read cards. He used um, the animal oracle decks mm-hmm. and was really really good with them mm-hmm. yeah I like using those and it, it does really really well if you do any kind of shamanic work if you work with animal spirits the it just fits right in you know it just really is very complimentary in that way you've inspired me yeah I dream of cats a lot I mean like big cats like tigers and things Ooh. And, uh, all the time and they're they're not threatening they're just very placid and i just had one the other night and i walked by they were they were sort of hidden in the bushes but i could see them the mother and her cubs and at first i thought oh my god she's going to attack she's going to protect her babies but they just all they barely even moved they just watched me walk by you know i told them i'm not i think you're magnificent i'm not going to hurt you don't hurt me. <laughs> and uh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, they did not. They just sat there. Yeah. Do you have um, any of the cat oracle decks or the cat tarot? I did. I had uh, for a while the black cat tarot. And then I ended up you know, sending it on along to someone. Yeah. Yeah. I do that too. I, right. I, I'd get a deck and, and then, you know, I'd have it for a while. And then there'd be this person that I'd meet and, it right. was their deck all along. Exactly. Yeah. So is there anything else you'd like to talk about? I know that you have a blog about Mothman. 
Mm-hmm. Um, and so if you if you feel like talking about Mothman, you're you're welcome to. But you know, we can always save that for another time. Yeah, I, um, it's just I'm a, I really don't know. I mean, I'm not an expert at all, but I'm just fascinated by Mothman. Uh, and always have been, and I'm not even sure why. My mother says something interesting once we were talking, uh, you know, a few years ago, and uh, she just said, Mothman, I I believe that Mothman is, is a true entity. I said, okay. <laughs> That's mom for you. <laughs> she said, yeah. And very- that just popped out. It just popped out. Yeah, she would say that. <laughs> One time she said, "Oh no, there there are beings on the moon." I said, "Okay." She said, "I mean, I just know that. I believe that." I said, "Okay, I kind of do too." <laughs> Could be, but she would yeah, just possible. sort of randomly say those things. I like that. So yeah, I'm just fascinated by Mothman. I'm I'm fascinated too. As always, not just by the uh, phenomena itself, but whether it's UFOs or whatever, but people's responses to the thing. And a lot of people, I'm really intrigued by people's responses to Mothman. You know, it's an evil devil angel thing. It's, you know, all their interpretations of it. And um, yeah, so I find that just as interesting as thing itself i ran across a sound file that was a short lecture that john keel gave in 1967 Mm -hmm. and he was talking about mothman up in new york city at a convention and you know he he starts describing it you know well it's it's this you know six or seven feet tall has glowing red eyes it's Mm -hmm. kind of grayish it has these wings and and he's going on and on and on and in the middle of his description, this lady somewhere in the audience comes out with, it's an angel from heaven. And that's, I mean, that's how she sounded. She had a very nasal, very loud <laughs> voice. And it was funny because he was, for a second, he was taken aback. But because it's John Keel, he was very witty. And he shot back with, well, they got some really ugly angels down there. I'm just saying, because... <laughs> because that's not a very attractive angel. And then she went on and she just kept kind of heckling him with, it's an angel, you know? Yeah. And he was like, I don't know. People seem to be really afraid of it. <laughs> you know? Yeah. To be fair, biblical angels were pretty scary looking. True. Though. Yeah. True. Which I think is what she was kind of nattering on about, but it, it was garbled when she, when she wasn't just making a, short declarative statement you couldn't quite understand because there were people cross-talking and laughing. So I think that what she was saying was, well, in the Bible, the angels were were scary, something to that effect. Mm-hmm. But it was just funny because, <laughs> you know, it took him a second. It took him a back. And then he was like, well, those are some really ugly angels they have down there. I'm, I'm just saying. <laughs> They're not attractive. <laughs> Right. But yeah, people do. People people get the idea that it's a a demonic entity. It's a warning. Um, every time there's a disaster, somebody comes out with, "Well, I saw Mothman right. before that," yeah. you know. Um, or it's some sort of harbinger. 
It's it's interesting. And then other people say that they got to where they felt like it was watching over them, but not in a creepy stalkery kind of way, but in mm-hmm. a you know a, a more guardian angel kind of way. I hope my guardian angel doesn't look like that. I'm just mm-hmm. you know, no, I don't want to see that. <laughs> and considering how it made Kendra feel when she saw it, I, I don't. Mm. Nah, I'm glad I haven't seen it. Mm-hmm. We have come to a silence. <laughs> Speaking of angels, when a silence descends upon a room that I was I was taught by my grandmother that an angel had flown in and mm. flown through, and that's why everybody went silent. Mothman angel. Mothman angel. <laughs> Mothman flew through. Well, there's always Sasquatch. Well, that, that's right. You have a Sasquatch blog and you live up in like the land of Sasquatch. Yeah. I have never seen one um, yet. I like to say. Um, I Just uh, again, I'm intrigued beyond belief and i just know a whole lot of people that have seen one you know living in oregon i mean people are camping and hunting and fishing and hiking and you know live in rural areas and oh yeah and i believe them i mean when a doctor or a teacher or a psychologist tells you they've seen one because they know my interest and they'll say don't tell anyone I told you this, you know. Um, yeah. And then just other, you know, people. Um, yeah. And I've had a few weird experiences like dreams. Uh, one time I was in a New Age bookstore talking about this man named Stan Johnson who lived in Southern Oregon. He self-published a couple of books about Bigfoot on his property and he went he was like a Bigfoot UFO contactee, very and infused with a lot of Christian stuff. And but so we were talking about him uh, in the local New Age shop here, and suddenly this huge cone of light came down through the ceiling and just whoop, and I could barely see through it. <clears throat> the woman talking oh, to me, wow. yeah, the whole time we're talking about Bigfoot and Sasquatch and. Uh, on a sort of paranormal level. It wasn't just like we saw the furry creature. It was like an intense conversation. And I was seeing these flashes of colored light the whole time. And I'm just standing there. And then the as soon as we finished our conversation, the cone of light just went shot back up through the ceiling. And I looked at her and she's looking at me strangely, like, are you okay? And I figured, well, if I can't tell her this, who you know, so I told her what happened. And she just laughed. She said, oh, yeah. that sort of thing happens all the time when we talk about Stan Johnson and Bigfoot. Oh, that's interesting. I said, oh, okay. <laughs> yeah. Bigfoot's eavesdropping. Or something. I don't know. Yeah. Well, if you, if you do the paranormal Bigfoot kind of theory. Yeah. Yeah. Then. He could be eavesdropping. Right. I agree. He he could well be hanging out. You don't know. We right. don't know. Right. I think but, that it's cha- that view is changing, but uh, there are a lot of diehard flesh of blood Bigfoot people out there that really don't want to hear this. 
really don't want to hear that. To me, flesh and blood Bigfoot and nuts and bolts UFO, mm-hmm. it's the same thing, different yes. different day. Definitely. You know, it's, yeah. it's a slightly different paradigm, but it's the same idea. I will never say that there's nothing physical to either of them because I am perfectly well comfortable with the whole idea that it can be physical sometimes and not physical other times. Right. And just leave it at that and just, you know, be right there in the middle going, it can be both. And I mean, there's in the, in native lore, there is something to, to support that where they'll say that, um, the the spirits can be you know they can dissolve and they're just you know non-physical entities and then they manifest Mm -hmm. and they become physical and then they can just dissolve again so you know i i mean i read keel when i was really young Mm -hmm. so that may have just you know borked up my mind too much you know and so i i just kind of go well sometimes things are physical and sometimes they're not right well, thank you for coming with us uh, and, and being with you. us today. Thank you. I've enjoyed it very much. Well, that's all for this week's episode of the Six Degrees of John Keel podcast. If you have any questions or thoughts about the podcast or would like to come and talk about your experiences of the paranormal, you can contact us at 6djk67 at gmail.com. We promise to even answer you, and we are always happy to hear from you. Thank you.